one through four. And thank you, Doug. And when Jesus had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. Now the names of the twelve apostles were these. The first was Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him.
John Claypool was a pastor of Crescent Hill Baptist Church in, in uh, Texas. And it was a time when he, he and his family were going through the agony of watching their daughter uh, pass away. And toward the end, the last days of her life, Claypool preached a sermon on this text entitled, Strength Not to Faint. And that day he stood to confess to his congregation, I want you to know, he said, that I'm not soaring like an eagle today. I'm not running like the footman. I'm barely walking through this experience, just asking God to give me the strength not to faint. And so we have here Jesus and his disciples. These are 12 disciples, 12 faces around this table. And uh, to remind ourselves that each one of these are people just like we are, that Christ uh, called alongside. He didn't, he didn't go to the mighty of this world. He didn't go to the wise, it says. He took his, he took his lot from, the, from folks who would just be willing to follow and accept his grace. So I want us to think about these 12, these 12 faces around the table today. First of all, I want us to look here at Peter. Peter might be what we call the most celebrated of the disciples. Some referred to Peter as the disciple with a foot-shaped mouth. Sorry about that, Rick. (laughs) During Jesus' ministry, Simon did not appear to be a very promising disciple. You might say that he wasn't apostle material. On the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter not only denied Christ, but he did it with an oath. One would think that would be the end of Peter as an apostle. But no. On a spirit-filled day, a spirit-filled Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 people came to the faith in Jesus Christ. It was he who went to Cornelius and opened the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. New Testament, two New Testament books bear his name and authorship. The gospel of Mark is said to have been his telling to John Mark. Tradition tells us that Peter died a martyr's death in the 60s, refusing to be crucified as his Lord, asking to be crucified upside down. And today, the light of Peter's testimony still shines. James was a son of Zebedee. And he, along with Peter, formed what was the inner circle of Jesus' group here, of his disciples. Uh, While he was with Christ, he demonstrated a fanaticism, actually, early on, by desiring that fire fall upon a Samaritan village because they didn't welcome Jesus. (laughs) And his disciples were sometimes jealous of James and his brother. He was selfish. He wanted a position. He wanted a place next to the place of honor in Jesus. The Bible records that James was the first of the twelve to be martyred to be killed for his faith. 
He was executed by beheading on the orders of King Agrippa and was part of the larger persecution. The lessons from his life, we could say, is the loss of life is not too heavy a price to pay for following Jesus. Martin Luther said it like this, the body they may kill, God's truth abideth still, and the Lord shall win the victory. Today the light of James' testimony still shines. Here on the other side we see John. This is James' brother. And John is, best, is really maybe the best known uh, disciple the one who was called the one Jesus loved. He was among the inner three who were with Jesus on a special occasions. The raising of Jairus' daughter, the transfiguration, the Garden of Gethsemane. Five books of the New Testament are credited to John. John knew imprisonment, but it didn't dampen his spirits. He was imprisoned with Peter. He was later imprisoned as an older man when he saw Terrific visions he recorded in the book of Revelations. According to tradition, John alone lived out his long life in Ephesus, where he preached love and fought heresy, especially the teaching of the Gnostics. Today, the light of John's testimony shines brightly. Andrew. Andrew was one of Jesus' first disciples, one of the first ones to follow Jesus. And he led his brother, Simon, Peter, to the Lord. He was always bringing people to Jesus. You remember the lad with five fishes on the day that Jesus fed the 5,000 and the, and the biscuits? Well, Andrew found him and brought him to Jesus. Remember the Greeks who wanted to come and see Jesus? They were Gentiles. It was almost an unapproachable thing. He brought him to Jesus. The Bible mentions him a final time in Acts 1.13, still very much of the apostle team. He's believed to have been killed on an X-shaped cross. Perhaps the epitaph on his life would be he brought people to Jesus. And today the light of Andrew's testimony still burns bright. Philip. See if I can find Philip here. Oh, there he is. Didn't recognize him without his glasses. <laughs> Herbert Locklear records nine facts about Philip. He was a native of Bethsaida of Galilee, a Jew with a Gentile name. He was a seeker who was found, a convert who became a soul winner a companion of one with a brighter mind, a scholar who was dull, sorry about that, (laughs) a guide who would not lead or could not lead, a disciple who lacked sometimes spiritual insight, an apostle, though, who went forth to serve. History records that Philip ministered in Hierapolis, Turkey. We're uncertain as to how Philip died, One tradition has him dying on a cross in Hierapolis, but his testimony still burns brightly today. Thomas.
Many refer to Thomas as Doubting Thomas. His personality was complex. and He revealed a, a pessimism mixed with loyalty and faith. He sought evidence of the resurrection, you remember. And when convinced of the miracle of the resurrection, he made a historic confession of faith. My Lord and my God, he said. Someone aptly said, Thomas doubted so that we might not have so many doubts. Many traditions show that Thomas was a vigorous missionary spreading the gospel over large areas, including Babylon and Persia and India. A story is told that jealous Brahmins killed Thomas in India. But the light of his testimony still shines. And then there's Bartholomew. Way on the other side of the table. Locklear describes Bartholomew as one who followed. He was a man with a double name. He was called Nathaniel Bartholomew. A man who learned of Christ's omniscience. That Christ could know things beyond what, he, what any ordinary man would know. He was a man who was introduced to Christ by a friend. A man with a strong prejudice, deep religious sentiments, a man who was graciously rewarded. Probably more than any disciple, he realized more the glory of Christ. A tradition has him martyred in Albania, in modern-day Albania, There are two different traditions about his death. One, that he was placed into a sack and cast into the sea. The other, that he was arrested and beaten and crucified. But the light of his testimony still shines. And then there's Matthew, the publican. Way on the other side. (laughs) Matthew was a tax collector. He really was the bane of his society. His fellow Jews would have hated him. And Matthew's decision to follow Christ cost him a lot financially, dearly. In the gospel that Matthew wrote, he was careful to add to his name always these words, the publican. It was a designation of humility and may tell something of his character. Accounts tell of Matthew's travels to Ethiopia, where he became associated with Candace, who identified with the eunuch of of Acts 8.27. Supposedly, he was martyred in Ethiopia. But his testimony still burns bright. And then there's James, the son of Alphaeus. Down here, Richard. He's identified as one of the disciples in a list of the twelve, but is never distinguished by name in any occasion reported in the Gospels or Acts. His distinguishing feature is his obscurity. Yet he identified as a disciple of Christ. You might be able to say that his merit consisted in the fact that he went where he was sent by Jesus. 
He fought the good fight. He finished his course. He kept the faith without any thoughts of applause. There's a a tradition. We don't know if it's true that James actually bore a resemblance facially to Jesus. There's a tradition also that he was stoned by the Jews for preaching the gospel and was buried by the sanctuary. But the light of his testimony still shines. Simon the Canaanite. Come this way. Who organized this group anyway? <laughs> the word Canaanite is not a geographical word, uh, but as it distinguishes him. He was connected to a radical and revolutionary force among the Jews. He was a troublemaker for the Romans. This would indicate that Simon was a lover of his country. He's said to have journeyed toward Egypt, Cyrene, Africa, Mauritania, Libya, even perhaps to colder places like Britain itself. Here he's said to have preached and wrought miracles and after all kinds of troubles and difficulties that he underwent, he suffered martyrdom for the, face of, for the faith of Christ and was buried among those that he ministered. His light still shines today. And then there is Thaddeus. You Thaddeus down here? Thaddeus sometimes was was called Judas. And when when it was when it was mentioned like that, it would say, not the Iscariot, not the not the bad Judas. (laughs) And uh, his name was taken after the name of Judah. Very common name in the first century because of Judas Maccabeus, who was an old-time hero, also a Canaanite, Galilean-type fella. This Judas is, is the brother of James that we talked about. And his lot was like the majority of Christians. He, he had questions. He had questions. But he lived his faith. He lived his life in faith, but also in obscurity. He's not well known. He's associated with the Armenian church and believed to have spent years in evangelism in Syria and northern Persia. There's a tradition that Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot were slain at the same time. And the light of his testimony still burns. Have I got everybody? Except Judas. And this is Judas Iscariot. And he's perhaps the most infamous of all the disciples. A thief and a hypocrite. Don't be too hard on him here, but a miser, a traitor. Persistently, he misunderstood the mission of Jesus. He betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And then it says he went and hanged himself. He died in sorrow, but not repentance. His life held a lot of promise. He was with the Lord every day. He heard Jesus' teachings and saw his miracles. Yet he chose a path that led to destruction 
and to death. Judas makes us think a second time about our faith and our commitment to the Lord and the presence of God's Spirit. Are we true disciples and followers or are we uncommitted pretenders? And the light of His testimony was extinguished that day. And forever His name will be associated with the loss of all that potential. And so these disciples challenge us. They challenge us because they, they teach us. They teach us a lot about ourselves. We can find perhaps something of ourselves in all of these disciples, every one of them. We, uh, we are challenged when we think about their commitment. We think about their struggles in their commitment. We think about their resolve, their self-sacrifice, the humility. Uh, no matter what the cost, they teach us that like their light shines, our light can shine and should, and should shine. Jesus and Judas, of course, teaches us the sadness of a life lived without Christ. So there's the rundown. That's the complete group. The pillars of faith that these men uh, had were really what launched Christianity. Jesus had only a few followers in his lifetime. And it was these 12 that, uh, among these 12, that the witness for Jesus Christ began to spread. Not only through Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, but as the Bible says, even to the uttermost parts of the earth. It was through their witness, and not just their witness, but those who heard them, and those who also shared. And as, as time went along, it just covered uh, the whole known world at that time. It's amazing. These are men who witnessed the resurrection of Jesus. It was their testimony that gives us the uh, evidence that we need. Some of them are temperamental, Peter and James and John. Some were skeptics like Thomas. Some were outcast or lonely like Matthew. But we see the boldness and the zeal they had for Jesus. And we let them be an example to us. Amen? Amen. Of the way we're to walk as well. It says, after the Lord's Supper, and you men may take your place now. After the Lord's Supper, Jesus had been teaching these disciples a lot during that, during that time. It says he took, the, he took the bread that was there and He took the cup. Broken cup. On the night before he was betrayed, at the conclusion of that Passover, which his disciples were celebrating, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said to them, This is my body, which is given for you. And let us pray. 
Father, now we come, Lord, at the end of that night, as those disciples were there, they really were quite in shock. They didn't really know what to think. They really could not comprehend the full story, especially the part that talked about Jesus dying on the cross. Whatever ideas they had had about following Jesus, none of them had thought about Him dying on a cross. And so as Jesus taught them, He used this picture of the broken bread and the, and the cup of wine to teach them that the Son of Man needed to die on a cross. That God's Son had come, and through the cross He would be paying for all the sins of the world. Somehow, we don't understand it, they didn't understand it. He who knew no sin would bear the sin of all. And so as he took the bread and he broke it, it says he blessed it, he prayed over it, and we pray that blessing too now. In Jesus' name, amen.